0: That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Welcome to Heart and Hand Rangers Podcast, the podcast that's very proud to lack class. This week on Heart and Hand, more coin-throwing madness as Rangers take three points in Paisley. <laughs> Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers Podcast. My name's David Edgar, I'm your host, and joining me this week to discuss the events of the weekend and look ahead to Moscow on Thursday are a regular guest, Mr Alexander Staff. Hi, Will. And a newbie from Top of the Flop Show over on Patreon, Mr Colin McMillan.
2: Hello, everybody.
3: How are you doing?
1: So, lads, let's uh, go to Paisley. Rangers desperately needing three points um, at the weekend, I think it's fair to say, and... For a long, long time, struggled. Now, there were various factors for that. The It was not a particularly great day weather-wise. And a Rangers team not playing with an awful lot of confidence after the events of the previous week. Um, got there eventually, though, Alex. And, and for me, it was one of those days when the emotion had subsided and blood pressure had gone back to normal. It was just get the points. It didn't matter how you did it.
2: Yeah, exactly that, yeah. Um, I don't think the second half was that bad. The first half, obviously, horrendous. Um, I thought we actually played OK second half. We just needed that, that goal. Uh, we got the battle up with the first goal. People can say what they want. That was a cross, um, 100% a cross. Uh, but we deserved the luck when you look at, for example, the one that was cleared off the line three times. Um, how that doesn't end up in the back of the net earlier than that, I don't know. Gresh just hit the post. So we deserved a bit of luck uh, to get that goal. Ultimately, pretty comfortable in the second half. Uh, but it did require McGregor to make a couple of good saves in the first half.
1: Colin, the the frustrating thing for me is that it it only seemed to take a couple of dodgy results for the team to, to lose all confidence. But credit to them, I suppose, then, for their for. for Sticking in and getting out of there because uh, the atmosphere hadn't been fantastic among the, the supporters. Not not in the ground, but I mean, um, just in the week leading up to other days leading up to the match, the atmosphere hadn't been fantastic. Had we not taken all three points on Saturday, then God knows what the bloodletting would be like today.
3: Yeah, very much. So it's um, it was one of those games where you could see the players had let the previous two results get into their heads a little bit. And we should never be going to St Mirren, um, away from home even, and not expecting to win the game. And I think there was some doubts in some of the players' heads, and that's just not acceptable. But on the other hand, you do need to realise that this is a squad of players that don't have experience. This is all new to all of them, and they're not used to sort of the demands that playing for Rangers has. And they've not really been through spells like this before, but that's the lower level of expectation on them. But watching the game back, it wasn't as bad as it was watching it live, I don't think. I think when you watch it back and you know the result and a little bit calmer, um, especially the second half, I think we deserved to win. It just wasn't a pretty watch. It wasn't nice. It wasn't a, a good game of football to sit down and enjoy.
1: Alex, it was a very Scottish game of football because gusts of 40 miles per hour wind, making it very difficult any sort of passing, never mind long passing, but any sort of passing at all, driving rain. Um, our podders who were at the game on Saturday told us that it was actually worse in the ground than it looked on television, and I know we don't like to go on about this and the reason I bring it up today is because we, we did win so it's not sour grapes or looking for an excuse or anything we got the three points but it is difficult to play football in that we've all tried it and even for professionals it's hard to play silky soccer it favours a side who are going to set up as St Mirren quite correctly did given their, their league forming position or have no problems with the way they tried to play the match but it, it favours trying to Destroy rather than create And you'd said With the wind behind us in the second half We should see an improvement And we did
2: Yeah I I was surprised by the amount of people writing off the weather I mean I'd even mentioned it To you guys the night before um, When I seen the forecast And said look that's going to have an effect on the game It wasn't you know, looking for early like, excuses For poor performance or anything It's just the way that is That's the way football goes When you've got that sort of wind and rain um, it has an effect And it wasn't particularly Swirling around or Going across the pitch It was firmly going from one side to the other um, And you could see the difference in St Mirren In the second half Where well, they couldn't get out They absolutely could not get out of their own uh, half For most of that Because anything they tried was just coming back on them yeah. And the wind
1: had died down a little bit by then um, The goalies kickouts that Weren't getting to the halfway line
2: yeah, yeah, and, and by all accounts, you know, it had died a little bit by then. Not, it wasn't quite as bad as it was in the first half. We we didn't create much in the first half, no doubt about that. But you could see the ball holding up even across the ground. It's one of my favourites. That uh, oh, when it's really windy, the ball needs to be played in the deck. It's a sphere. <laughs> it's a very light sphere in, in relative terms. Kicking it along the ground does not stay along the ground when there's that wind against it. No,
1: that's
2: the whole point of you know the physics of the ball, right? So. Uh, you know, it's just no, there's no easy answer to it, and I thought that Gerard after the game saying that the first half was about you know keeping level or maybe edging a lead because he was very confident things would be better in the second half with a win behind them. Uh, I was just surprised at so many writing it off, and I get it, we weren't great, but I think it had an effect. It made us look worse than we actually were. Uh, I thought the second half showed that um, where we created a number of chances and looked a lot better with a win behind us, uh, and I just think that. Yeah, we're not playing that great. And we had, you know, that making his debut on a horrible day. Uh, I say his debut, saw his first start. Yeah, he like, had a horrible day, trying to settle in. So, you know, that wasn't ideal for him. None of our attacking players looked good. Ryan Kent, any time he tried to run with the ball, just wasn't happening for him. Any balls through, we were holding up. Goldson was playing the ball in the air far too often for that weather. But it was just, you know, the first half really was just a get through it. Make sure you don't go behind. Go in the second half and pummel them And and, you know ultimately that worked I'm not going to claim it was a great performance But I don't think it was a day for a
1: great performance either I'd agree with Colin Um, Having watched the game back and again Knowing the result and being a bit calmer uh, There there actually was some (coughs) decent stuff Played second half Especially as I say considering the the conditions And Rangers absolutely deserved to win it Um, St Mirren fought very hard But in the end Rangers were overrunning them and 2-0 was probably an accurate reflection of the second half the first half I think St Mirren could probably point to a couple of Alan McGregor saves and maybe were a little unlucky not to go in one up themselves which would have been difficult because I think the mood among the Rangers support would not have been particularly patient had that happened now the manager made early substitutions as he had against Kilmarnock and that is something we've been banging on about Colin and one of them really paid off with Daniel Kandias' goal now Alex doesn't think he meant it I would love to think he meant it, but I've watched it an awful lot, and uh, given that Daniel Kandias, um, like everybody else in the team, maybe wasn't at his most confident, I don't think he's all of a sudden going to, when he's not been landing crosses particularly consistently recently, I don't think he's going to suddenly try for a wonder goal. But whether he meant it or whether he didn't, by Christ, we needed it. Yeah, we
3: needed it. At the time, you would have accepted a deflection off somebody's arse into the goal, to be fair. So it's it doesn't really matter If he meant it or not It went in Courtney Gerard In one of the conferences After it he, uh, Daniel Cadiz is saying That he did mean it I don't believe it For a second Um, it's, It wasn't the game It wasn't the conditions And it was too important To be trying for wonder goals in the sorry, it's, so it's, sorry
1: He's saying he did mean it you mean He did mean it yeah uh,
3: right. he Well of course
1: Gerrard's he's going to say I, I would fucking say that I mean of course You know I'd be very disappointed In any footballer Who said after feels No it was a cross I'd be going Yeah I meant it Yeah I looked up Sort of keep it off his line Chipped it I can do that um well, you know I'd be gutted, but it doesn't necessarily mean we take his word for it. Um football no, I don't was, feel. God love them, but uh they've all claimed a throw in we've seen hit them, haven't they?
3: Yeah. <laughs> it, it was one of those ones though where you, you shouldn't be trying shots like that, probably. It was the clever thing to do would be to play the ball in. I think you had Tav running in, a couple of our players. You'd have been angry at them for taking the shot and messing it up. But like we've said, the goal was more important than some of its parts.
1: And uh gave us a platform to go on and then I think Ranger did really well and then um, came the moments at the end that probably defined this match and that was first of all Alfredo Morelos I love when he does that ball played through to him Um, on the touchline doesn't seem to have a lot of room for manoeuvre but beats his man comes inside a cute angle you're thinking I can't score from there and he thinks what the hell and lashes it past the goalkeeper For 2-0, brilliant goal from a guy that uh, is flying, even, you know, he got a goal the other night, even when we're not playing that well, Alfie has eight goals in nine matches, and he's creating a hell of a lot as well, I think he's got five assists in that period as well, so he's just been sensational for us, and he runs, uh, does a slide on his knees to towards where some of the St Mirren fans are sitting, although it's a Rangers away game in Scotland, you know, 80% of the crowd will be Rangers supporters. But um, he goes along, slides on his knees, people come to him, and as he's on his knees, uh, he gets hit by a coin. Now, being of hard day stock, he doesn't feel the need to lie down for the next 40 minutes, then call press conferences, then threaten to resign, then you're know, basically try and and point out that that this is due to a hitherto unproblematic problem with race in Scotland. But uh, he he basically just got up and and got on with it. The coin throwing, it's always gone on to an, an extent. I don't want to make this sound like it's a new thing, Alex. We've all seen it, and generally what's happened, I think the big problem the last month is that people have got slightly better at it because they've been hitting the target, whereas for years we've seen coins and other debris come on, Uh, First of all Let's just call it what it is Anybody who throws a coin at a football match Is a scumbag It's a fucking awful Inexcusable thing to do Yes
2: Absolutely And it's um, It's a cowardly thing to do Because you're You'll probably be identified these days But in the moment You are pretty much hidden You know in a sea of people um, And you don't feel any There's no There's no sense of responsibility I don't think when these people are doing this in that moment uh, and that comes afterwards. Uh, So you know in the moment it's a bit of a cowardly act as well. As you say this isn't something new. It's not unique to Scottish football either, it happens everywhere. Um, (laughs) You look at some footage from some other places and uh, you know some other countries and and in truth what happens in Scotland is pretty tame but that doesn't excuse it in any way. Yes, as you say, the issue has been that people have actually been hitting people now, and this is not something that is, is suddenly an issue. This has been going on for for years, decades, yeah. decades now, yeah. right? I mean, yeah, the, the Hugh Dallas incident was was the first kind of high profile one, but it was happening before then. So, um, so yeah, this isn't going to go away anytime soon. All we're getting is, is more reports on it, um, and you know, people using it to their advantage, let's be honest. Um, as you say, Morelos probably never even noticed it. He's probably had to be told about it after the game.
1: Because he's rock uh, hard.
2: <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yeah. It's happening in an area where it's just like, you know, you're not even going to feel that. Um, so, so yeah, he's, um, he's probably not even noticed it, but... Uh, I don't know, what you I mean we can condemn it and all the rest, I just don't know what you can do about it, let's talk of strict liability and all that, I've got my thoughts on that, that's a kind of ridiculous approach, um, it's uh, it's not going to go away any soon, the best you can hope for is that these kind of higher profile cases shall we say, will educate some people and make them think twice about it. Yeah,
1: I, as I say, I don't buy the really angry for a few seconds or drunk excuses because you know I've been really angry and drunk at a football match managed not to do it, so have all of my mates it it doesn't wash with me them that that's why people do that Uh, I suspect it's just in the moment, don't get me wrong I don't think they go into the ground beforehand saying I'm going to throw a coin at somebody but it's in your personality if you do this you can't suddenly claim it's out of nowhere because the proof of the pudding is that the vast majority, the vast overwhelming majority of fans at games it never occurs to them to do
3: it. Yeah, for sure. It's it's in your personality. It's a scumbag thing to do. And it's not such an involuntary thing to do either, I don't think, because nope. you actually have to put your hand in your pocket and get the coin out first. Especially in this weather. It. <laughs> yeah. It's not like you've got the coin ready to go and then you just go, up and throw this now. Um, It's crazy. And I don't want to sound like my mum, but is it going to take somebody to get their eye out before it really becomes an issue? Yeah. Because that's the worst thing that could happen. Um, amazingly, that stand that the coin was thrown from, had posters up in it this weekend asking the Samaritan fans not to swear um, as it was affecting people's enjoyment of the match so obviously don't swear but phone coins is alright mm. um, and for me as well it was quite funny that in Paisley, are not throwing the same one pound coins you get in Edinburgh. It was a fifty pence for Alfredo, so <laughs> that's it. What about Paisley? then probably than it does.
1: About There's it, a years. terrible, terrible comment on the Scottish class divide right there. Um, I, I've got to ask, who carries the coins? Who carries that many coins these days?
2: I mean, I know you go for a few beers for the pub and all that, but you can even pay by card down there. I mean, they're not going to get to the stage ten years, now That people are launching like, old mobile phones at people because, like, they don't need them for their Google Pay anymore or some <laughs> shit like that like, I mean who carries that many coins that they think to themselves that, you know Ark, oh, I've got a spare 10, 50 pences here I'll just launch them whenever I get a chance at whoever happens to skid down I mean, come on like, sh- I don't get it at all like, honestly the amount of times I'm throwing about these days with absolutely no physical cash on me makes me wonder and I go to plenty of football games like that as well You know, where the hell are they all coming from? It's also something that,
3: David, you can just never ever do, because you'll be identified really quickly, because your coins are
1: all blue. Yes, exactly, my blue pounds. But actually, what I always worry about for these people, or think would be ironic, is if, you know those little tokens you get on keyrings to help you get a supermarket trolley? Yeah. What happens if you fish that out by mistake? Chuck it and it's your house keys. And you've got to go on and say at the end, can, can I have those keys? Did you throw that at... No. You know, you're kind of screwed if that happens. But, you know, we're joking about it. And as, as Colin says, you know, they old, they'll have somebody's eye out and probably later on, be careful with that swan, it'll break your arm. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and don't go out after you've had your shower because uh, your hair's wet and you'll get the flu. These are all true. These are all great mother statements. They are true. But, we, you know, we are joking about it. And... It is, uh, you know, we've condemned it, right? I, I, and I, I don't mean that in a sort of, well, we've condemned it. Let's move on. We, it's a serious thing. It should be stopped. I suspect this, this rash and of them and the attention that it's got, will see them. Uh, we'll, we'll see these people, the ones that have done it recently, be made an example of. Courts tend to do that, in high-profile situations, and that's what will happen. And hopefully, that will put a stop to it because I think a lot of it is copycat. I don't think it's a surprise that all of a sudden you get a rash over. it. I think it, it becomes a copycat thing because it's in people's minds because they've read it in the papers and a lot of people these days are easily led. Um, speaking of which, you can buy Heart and Hand branded tat from our website, heartandhand.co.uk. Um, we need to think about a way of getting subliminal messaging into the pod, lads, with Christmas coming up. Um, maybe in the background, Alex can just be going, bye, tat, and that'll work. But... We have to talk about the difference in reaction between the two incidents of the same thing this week. And the first one was Neil Lennon. Now, Lennon made the most of the situation right from the inception of it, where he checked to see if he'd been hit by a coin Found out he had, in fact been struck on the jacket with a coin went down clutching his face for some reason, um, but then lay there for and, and really milked it then in his press conferences has he suggested he 's the victim of racism, and that it happens all the time, um, as we know in the Lennon, nothing 's ever his fault, so you know we, we can 't in any way suggest that he may have been um, by goading the heart supporters he may have and you, you don't deserve it, uh, it doesn't excuse it, that's something I think people confuse when you say well you know, if he doesn't goad the supporters that doesn't happen you oh you, you're victim blaming, well no, we're just pointing out a fact um, if you go looking for trouble there's a chance you're probably going to get trouble but that's who he is but the, the sympathy comes out, the press march four square behind him anyone saying anything off message then you're horrible you're a bigot, you're condoning this I saw one journalist suggest that it's akin to saying that women who wear short skirts deserve to be raped, which is both a vile and ridiculous comparison, and so on and so forth. Alfredo Morelos gets hit by a coin. Silence. Nothing. And only in Scotland, Alex, white guy gets hit. Racism. Black guy gets hit. Nothing. There is a problem with racism in this country, And that illustrates it, but it sure as fuck isn't what the professional victim group want it to be.
2: No, it's not. Um, I'll I'll say this, I I don't believe for a second that Neil Lennon's day-to-day life is all, you know, flowers and roses, right? I I get that the guy's had things aimed his way that have been over the line, etc. For him to try and claim that he has absolutely zero responsibility in the way that he did, his press conference was a meltdown the one the next day after the game that wasn't the the considered plea of a man who you know is is just at the end of his terror with the way he's being treated and he's asking for a bit more tolerance and patience that was a meltdown he was absolutely rambling he was all over the place and he was clearly clearly in my opinion not fully aware of what he was saying um So, I'm not going to claim it, but Neil Lennon has to ask the question as to why, if he believes there is a problem in Scotland with Irish Catholic racism, as he was putting it, then why do so many Irish Catholics come in and out of Scotland in football? We'll just say it's a footballing problem, okay, we'll grant that. Why have so many done that and not been given any abuse or anything close to the abuse that he's getting? Um, and that's mainly because they've not looked for it, they've not went searching it, and he has. He's absolutely went searching it, and they can try and claim that it's restarted it or whatever. That's not how it works, you know? If, um, yeah, we might have, there might be a case that other people have booed him first or whatever, but uh, that happened to plenty of them and they just brushed it off and got on with it. He's made it worse for himself. Um, I'm not surprised there was very little made of the Mirelos incident in truth. Uh, and it's mainly because he didn't milk it and the club haven't milked it the club don't care about it they'll just move it on a-
1: Alex, Alex it's partially that, yes but it's partially because of the strip he was wearing because I'll tell you something no, had, yes. had it been uh, a Celtic player or a Hibs player of a certain ethnicity whether he milked it or not we would be hearing about it it's entirely because it was a Rangers player and in fact if you look at the BBC's Um, approach to it now something like 20 bbc scotland journalists tweeted about the lennon coin throwing and one of them also tweeted about the moreles coin throwing which tells you something after the incident the bbc doesn't discuss the moreles coin throwing incident it looks for examples where they can say ah but look they did it and now we're hearing no evidence but we're hearing craig sampson the st mirin goalkeeper had coin thrown at him it's the hypocrisy at the, the base of this. It stinks. Nobody's worried about coin throwing. Nobody cares if they're being honest. None of them do in the media. They don't give a, a flying fuck. It's, can I use this to further my agenda? And if they can, it's a thing. If they can't, they're not interested. And they had, because it was a Rangers guy who did it at Livingston. It was at Neil Lennon, which is to their bigger point. That fits what they, they need. But then, when it's Saturday and it happens to a Rangers player, sorry, that's no use to us, that's not what we want to talk about, let's ignore it. So, yes, you're right, I think Morelos handled it, you know, like an adult, but I do think it's got nothing to do with that and entirely to do with the colour of Strip he was wearing. Yeah, I mean, there's,
2: yeah, there's every chance of that, i may maybe being a bit generous still. Um... I'd have been curious to know if, you know, if the club had made some sort of statement on it or whatever afterwards how that would have been reacted to. I'm firmly of the belief though that and, and that's very much feeds into what you've just said, I'm firmly of the belief that Rangers can't lead any campaign in Scottish football now. Um we can't be at the forefront of anything. There's been many a time in the past couple of years that what we've tried to do, you know, like the compliance officer statements and things like that, would have been to the benefit of the entire game of Scottish football and was more than justified but because it's Rangers, it's oh it's just a grapes from that lot, you know. So so yeah, um you're probably spot on there. The colour of his the colour of these strip made a big difference. I just think that, you know, had we made it, it would have been interesting to know what the happened, had we made more of a more of a thing out of it than, than we did, which is, you know, we've done exactly the right thing, we pretty much ignored it, and we'll let some deal with, you know, whoever it was that threw the coin and it looks as though they're gonna do that. Uh, to the best of their ability
1: Which is more than certain clubs have in the past as well mm, Yeah, phantom lighter throwers Are still at large Now Colin, game's done Rangers 2-0 up And in the aftermath of the celebration Daniel Condéas, as he's running over uh, Gives a bit of verbals to Anton Ferdinand Who uh, I think had been the, the two of them had been winding each other up previously Um, And Condéas turns round And makes I think a kind of kissing gesture To him as much as, you know, get it up you pretty harmless goes over and celebrates with Alfie he's walking back Craig Sampson the St Mirren goalkeeper walks up and according to Craig Sampson says uh, well I told him I thought it was a bit classless that he'd won the game that he should just go and celebrate with his his teammates and to be fair to him he agreed with me and it does look like that incidentally it's a you know he comes over has a word He looks very friendly kindace has a word back. Anton Ferdinand then goes up to him Grabs him round the neck, not aggressively, I would say, but still. Um, and again, Condéas doesn't react except to turn round to the referee and say, look at this. And he receives a booking and is sent off. Um, WTF?
3: Indeed. Um, and let's just say, by the way, from the start, Colm has a perfect view of this. He's right beside the incident. Um, he jumps in, he books him. I genuinely have no idea what Daniel was booked for. Um, being honest, even what Ferdinand was doing, I wouldn't be completely raging if that was dealt with with just a talking to either. Um, oh. You've seen it in games before where you just go over and say, hey, you two wrap this, stop it, um, but not call. Um It's an awful decision. It's one that costs us uh, one of our most important players. Um, ironically, it costs us maybe two players because Tav isn't anything like the player he is when he doesn't have Gondias in front of him. And it just kind of feeds into this referees in Scotland. They are awful. I don't believe they're they're bent or anything like that, but I do believe they're awful. Week on week, something is done which just embarrasses us further. And there's no punishment for them because they they don't seem to be able to demote them because there's no other referees able to replace them. I just don't know any other leagues that have this many stupid decisions and this many incompetent referees constantly.
1: It baffles me. Alex, it, it strikes me as a bit of a personality thing with Scottish refs because the common sense, human approach is to go, do you know what, it's the 93rd minute, game's done, nobody's going to complain if I just walk up and say to the two of them, wrap this, now, I'm not going to stand for this, do you want me to send you off, shake hands, and it's done. Nobody in the world is going to complain. And the thing that referees often say, and I understand this argument is, for instance, Leicester match on Saturday when Demari uh, Gray was booked, he took off his, his shirt to reveal a, a tribute to the, the, the chairman who passed away. And the football world collectively went, oh, the referee, why did he book him? And what the referee said is, he's got to book him. He doesn't want to, but it's the rule. Everyone knows it. He can't let it go. That's, That's fair enough, right? We get that. Don't like it, but we get it. In Colm's case, there wasn't that argument. Nobody could have said, oh, well, look at the rule he breached that you didn't enforce because he didn't break any fucking rules. So it's not only bad refereeing, it's just basic common sense.
2: Yeah, it was um we've seen this earlier in the season, um where you know, players getting booked. I can't even remember who it was. I feel as though it was Scott Arfield. where somebody squared up to him and made the head gesture towards him and he got booked for having the temerity of
1: standing there. Aberdeen, do you know? it was Aberdeen, yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. Yeah,
1: what was it, Arfield? It was, wasn't it? It was, yeah, first game of the season, I
2: think. First game of the season. We see this all the time, and Colin's right, there's been some horrendous decisions this season. There's been a couple of red cards in other games. Cameron got one and then benefited from one in another game not long after it. Both red cards were poor decisions. Neither were overturned um, on, on review, and mainly because, as Steve Clark said at the time, they had to protect the referee's reputation more than anything else. So... This is typical kind of Willie Collum, and it's typical of, of Scottish refs in general. I would I would agree with that. Yeah, if they see a little flashpoint, it's just dig the yellow card out to both players, even though you know they've not taken any time to review it. They've not taken any sort of you know who is the aggressor here, who deserves a heavier punishment. No, no, the two of you were involved, so the two of you are getting yellow cards for it. And you're right, no one, absolutely no one, there would have been a thread on Mark's website saying. What happened, Dad, when we were celebrating between Ferdinand and Candace? and that would have been the height of it. People would have went, "Oh, I think i had some words," and that was that. If he doesn't highlight that by whipping out the yellow cards, no one in TV is going to come up with going, "You know, well, why wasn't there a in yellow here?" or "Look what he's been doing," or whatever, it would have all been ignored, um, and that would have been absolutely fine. And now what? As Colin says, what well, we're missing Candace for the Mobile game, which me proved to be crucial. He's came off the bench, for is there on Saturday and turn the game so you know that may prove to be crucial we um, no 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 for it and Colin will probably get another high profile match at the weekend um, and even if it gets demoted it costs him all of £40 pounds. Mm. you know of a difference between a Premiership match and a Championship match and you know there you go Championship teams have their shite ref is a point that you've made many many times so yeah, there's just nothing. If you can get away with making mistakes so often, is it any real surprise that you're going to do that? I mean, really? you've not. There's no incentive to improve in Scottish football for referees, is there? No. Really? Well, this, well, this is one of the things that I saw today.
3: I was reading online about Pep at Man City. And one of the things he did when he came to England was he employed a behaviour analyst, a referee behaviour analyst. And they basically studied every match and every referee. And they give Pep a report basically on how many fouls on average each ref gives before a booking, which refs will allow back chat, who won't, who gives the most yellows, all that sort of stuff. And Pep then uses that in all his game plans to kind of work with the referees best as he can. Now, this sounds amazing, but it would never work here in a million years because there is no level of consistency between any referee in Scotland. You can't predict what they're going to do from one match to the next.
1: Collins also made a good point earlier where he said, I think partially the problem with Scottish referees at the moment is it's kind of like if you're in a relationship that you're unhappy in, but you've no confidence you'll ever find someone else. So you really want to dump your boyfriend or girlfriend, but you don't want to be on your own. That's the problem here because the SFA have no referees coming through. The ones at the fast track in the last. Years are awful. Um you saw that with guys like Beaton and Nick Walsh or just atrocious referees. Probably not their fault because they, they've missed out important stages of their development. So guys that they have brought through the likes of column, they're gonna uh, Craig Thompson even still kicking about, they're going to zealously hang on to Because there is no other option. And what you're seeing is a general lowering of standards. The fact that there's no comeback on these referees, bar, as you say, maybe a one-week trip to ruin a game in the championship that's less high-profile. And, it's you know, people say to us sometimes, oh, you talk about referees a lot, and we don't want to. You know, there's nothing better than when you, you do a game and you don't notice the referee. But when they make these decisions, and they are so often... Decisions they shouldn't be making that they should get right. Um, You go back to the Morelos red card, the linesman, I didn't actually see it. So why are you making that decision? I've got no problems, believe it or not, with a referee seeing something the wrong way. My problem with a lot of Scottish referees is they don't see something and guess. And that is against... Everything referees are told, you're told never to guess. If you see it, give it. If you don't see it, you can't give it. Even if that means you're wrong, but that's what you stick to. And to be honest, I would think, Alex, that that's a far, far easier thing to live with. If after the match, the referee is asked by the manager, why didn't you give, or why why didn't you give, it would be, and he says, I didn't see it. There's not a lot you can say there, is there? It's fair enough. It, It happens very quickly. You don't have instant replay. We get that. But, when it's a decision that he has created something in his mind because, he admits himself, I haven't actually seen it, but I suspected that this might have happened. That kind of throws the whole ethos of what referees are supposed to do out the window.
2: It does, yeah. Um, managers are never going to be happy either way, let's be honest. We know that. Um, you know, if the referee was to say, I never saw it, managers and fans would see that as a cop-out a lot of the time. Um and they need better support, and we need to remember it's not just a guy in the middle that, as you pointed out rightly, that, you know, wise men are involved officials are now involved in decisions it seems, but ultimately it's no use saying to us just now we don't have enough referees, I get that that's fine, I understand that, and I've had to fast track some people, I also understand that it's of absolutely no um, there's no comfort in, in the knowledge that These referees might be good referees five years from now once they've picked up the necessary experience. It's no good for the five years it's going to take them to get there. They're too important a part of the game to be making as many mistakes as they are. They're costing teams points, costing teams vital players going into big matches. It's happening far too often now. And yes, we are bored of talking referees. We are absolutely sick of it. But if they're going to continue to be... As uh, as poor as
1: they are, and they're going to, and as I said, they're just too big a part of the game. It's going to come up every single time. Yeah, that's unfortunately what happens. But Rangers getting out with the three points, a big three points for us. We really needed it. That's us uh, up to third. Nobody's celebrating that. I'll just say on the table beginning to take on a more realistic um, look. And Hearts, with all due respect, Colin, appear to have begun to regress to the mean, they have been incredibly unlucky with injuries, don't get me wrong, but um, it does appear that Celtic will, you know, motor towards another title with only us potentially capable of stopping them, so we have two pretty straightforward looking fixtures coming up now. Um, Two home matches Motherwell and Livingston. Who Both will argue Um, if, if any other supporters Are listening to this Both will quite rightly say Hang on a minute One of us beat you And the other one drew with you But at Ibrox I'm expecting the demanding Six points
3: Yeah Hearts have, have done What MD Sort of looking forward At the table Thought they would do They had a really good start To the league table The league campaign They won the games They should have won and everybody knew that they were an injury or two away from falling apart because they didn't just have the they just don't have the depth in squad. They did to make that last and that's what's happened to them. So yeah, as predicted it is going to be us chasing them and we need to stay in touch with them. We've got two winnable games coming up at home. And they've got two trips away to uh, plastic pitches. So we need to look at the positives of that, do what we need to do, and hope they slip up. And that's just going to be the the game for the rest of the season, really, I think. Staying in touch with them and looking to capitalise on any opportunities we get to claw back these four points.
1: Alex, we talk about this a lot, but it is true that you can start looking towards your rivals in a title race when you're consistent. Because then their result begins to matter. But for me, at this point, it's just sort out your own form first, Rangers. Then we'll worry about that.
2: Yeah, to an extent. Yeah, I remember when we lost to them um, early on the season. We asked the question, you know, if we were four points behind them, Going into the game in the new year, would you find that, you know, acceptable? Which we, you know, we were four points behind them after losing. People were saying yes because it would mean that we've shown a level of consistency, matched their results. We've matched our results. The issue right now is that their slump came early in this little run of, you know, six, seven games and our slump seems to have come now in terms of performance levels. Um, so we're kind of living in that moment of what they had a few games ago when they were, you know, screening Body up, at, at the results of a game and they were going to sit and join 0 now and losing at Kelly and things like that. They were they were getting off their heads and, and demanding all sorts of changes, you know, we're in that situation and we're kind of losing that a little bit it's short term what we need to prove now is that we can do what they've done, which is bounce back from the slump, start putting res- results together again um, ultimately, you know, the results haven't been that bad, the draw against Clermont was a frustrating one semi-final, one-off game very poor performance but uh, league results, not been that bad since then, so I think it's just a uh, we need to now prove that. You're right. We can only start looking at Celtic potentially slipping up if we can continue to win games. Two very winnable games in our next one, despite Motherwell picking up a little bit of form recently and Livingston seem to have lost a bit of form, I think it's that to say. The yeah. last couple of results suggest that. Yeah. that They're starting to revert to their mean as well. Um, despite that, two very winnable games. Um, and, and we just have to, you know, I know we're saying this all the time now, but it's just a case of constant three points. Until such times as I know, hearts are ways coming up, not too distant future. That'll be an interesting one, but again, you just got to go in there for one, you stay in touch. We need to win those games, it's really that simple. If we can go into the end of the year, still in touch at the top of the league, I think that's you know, pretty good going for, for how for the challenges we've faced so far. But let's not get too far ahead ourselves, I guess.
1: No, and the next match is, of course, always the most important with Rangers. and On Thursday night, we continue our rather special European run so far when we're going to Moscow, Colin, and, and aiming for the what I think at the start of the season would be the somewhat unbelievable achievement of our 12th unbeaten match in Europe. And uh, if we were to pick something up there, anything but, uh, especially a win, but if we were to pick something up in Russia, we are in a really, really good place to get out of this group.
3: Yeah, we really are. And um, it seems to be the case before every game in this group that we seem to be getting them at a good time. Um, they've lost their last four home league games in a row. Um, the manager, her caretaker manager, is actually openly criticising the fans at the moment for criticising the team. Um, they're openly trying to get a new manager in, but they're debating over compensation levels with the club that he's at currently. And the manager has said, said the team has good players, but the environment that the fans are creating is making them bad. So going away from home, this isn't as difficult a task as it looks on paper, I don't think. They're not playing well. And after losing four home league games, I'm not sure how much of a priority the Europa League campaign is going to be for them. Um, if you look at how we've played away from home in Europe, the increased tempo, the stubbornness that we've shown, it's really added to our play and I don't see why we can't get the three points out there, which seems mental because we're, we're not really confident in going to whole games at home away from home, but Europe just seems a totally different sport from us at the minute and I'm not subscribing to any of these lines of thought that we should be putting a weaker team out or not really concentrating on it because for me, I know we all want 55, it's everybody's first priority, I mean god we use and even earmarking parts of our skin for the inevitable tattoos we're going to get when it happens but europe's just huge for us it's not just financially huge it's putting us back on the map it's making us relevant again it's going to give us better positions to get better loan players available in january or the summer and um, it's going to give these young players and the squad experience that they're getting playing these sorts of games and obviously it's giving us huge financial benefits as well and Just from a fan, Rapid Vienna is the sort of night, the sort of game you want to go to. That's why you buy your season ticket. For that atmosphere, that occasion, the noise, and crucially, the result. And for me, we go all out to the winning first day. I think we're capable of it. And we've made a really, really good start. And I just don't see why it has to end.
1: Alex, there is an argument that says that the Rangers team has shown itself to be better set up for matches in Europe, especially against high-level opposition, because... You would assume that Spartak will have to come out against us, Um they certainly won't sit in the way that they did to themselves at Ibrox. That the crowd will not allow that. They'll need to come out and try and play, and that we quite like when teams do that because it gives us space to get in behind them. We can use the pace that we have, especially in wide areas, and it's just something that Rangers have looked quite comfortable with this season. Yeah, we're a lot better
2: at hitting teams on the counter. And you only need to—I mean, you can even look at Saturday. Um, there was a chance at the end of the first half, which was one of the few times in the first half where some Miriam were a little bit further up the pitch and we won the ball straight away. Gresda to our field, our field, out to Kent, Kent drags it wide, but it was, you know, two or three very quick passes and we're up the pitch. And we're better at that. You can see numerous examples of it this season, not only in goals that we've scored, but in the sort of chances we create as well. Even, the, you know, the kindiest goal comes from Kent winning the ball high up the pitch and it's fed out to Kyndais really quickly and players breaking into the box seems to be what we're best at and if teams will come out and play against us and Spartak will they're a team that like to dominate possession in the league um, they've not made a great start they're not in great form but they still look to play um, they're going to be potentially going to be without a couple of important players Fernando and Zé are struggling to make a game in terms of fitness uh, they'll still have a very strong team obviously but they're going to come out and play a bit and as such not for some reason like Colin I would say, it's very strange I'm a little more confident of a result there than I really should be um, you know this team at this stage of development and even just sheer statistics given that we've never done 12 matches unbeaten in a row in Europe before would suggest that you know okay I'm not expecting a win I'm not expecting a good result but for some reason I feel as though we're going to get one and that's uh that's mental Given everything That's been going on In the last couple of weeks Really uh, But I, I think it's right why I, so I am not as fearful About some of our Bigger away matches In the league uh, As many others Seem to be at the moment Because whilst we're Talking about Our, our away form Being poor I, I think we're going to be Better against the teams That come out To have a go at us In the away matches As well
1: I think that We've spoken a lot, and everyone has, you know, other Rangers fans, media, whatever, that Steven Gerrard is a young manager, he's made mistakes, and he is learning on the job. But the one area where he's been pretty flawless so far has been Europe, and that's because he knows European football, knows it inside out, so much experience of it as a player, and so much experience of it at a high level, you know, with tactics, we're not talking about somebody who played in Scotland, you know, and had 15 first-round exits to the Maltese, League. Um, we'll talk about somebody who's played literally over hundred European matches and and knows the game. So it doesn't surprise me that he's adapted so quickly. Whereas he is learning the Scottish league with all its you know weird little idiosyncrasies. So um, there is that that argument that perhaps this is just an environment that. He already has the measure of, and I think I think we've seen it. As you mentioned, they're calling it. It's now seeming to become a trope that every time we play one of these sides, um, they appear to be, according to the media, in crisis. Uh, I take it with a pinch of salt, and always have ever since uh, Valencia were described as the Aberdeen of Spain um, just before they reached two successive Champions League finals. So, uh, but I, I do think that if Rangers can defend properly. Then we give ourselves a big opportunity because, as Alex says, we do have the ability to move the ball from one end of the pitch to the other very quickly.
3: We really do. There's absolutely no reason why we can't do it, and it's. I, I I genuinely think you saw the result against Hearts off the back of the rapid game. It can have it can have a positive hangover into our domestic form as well, rather than the negative one which everybody seems to look at first. Um, looking back, looking back at our Champions League run back in two thousand three, two thousand four where we had a decent start. We got four points from our first two games, if you remember. Mm. Uh, we beat Stuttgart at Ibrox, Drew, with Paraphinaikos away. And we thought we were in a cracking position. We then lost the four games in a row, scored only one goal and crashed out. And that hurt at the time. And I think it impacted us domestically as well, because the players really, their heads went down off the back of it. And I just don't want that to happen this year. I want us to have this success in Europe, increase the confidence levels, and actually carry that into the domestic form and be in that last 32 draw in December and have football to look forward to in February. It's absolutely no reason why we can't do it and we
2: should be going all, all health to leather to make it happen. Can I just make a slight point on this and on the overall kind of point that Colin made earlier in terms of, you know, he doesn't subscribe to putting out a, a, a kind of rested or rotated team for this one or anything like that. I'm fully board with that. Now imagine you're saying that the premise behind that is OK, we need to rest our players because we need them for the league games and the only chance we've got to win in the league is if our players are at their best. On the pace of it, that premise isn't that bad. But we might still there's every chance we don't win the league, regardless. You know, um, it's still a big ask even if we are. So can you imagine you don't win the league this season and you've half-assed your chance in the Europa League group stages as well? Mm. You know, there's no there's just no guarantees. So you you do what Stephen Gerrard has already said. He will play strongest team or the strongest team he believes is available to him on Thursday, and then he'll worry about the game on the Sunday. And that's got to be the way of it because. The fans that are travelling have paid a fortune. The fans that are going to the games at Ibrox have paid more than enough money to go there. The players have put in some effort to get there. The idea that we would just half-arse it when we get there, it's kind of ridiculous. Um, and it's, it's why people get so frustrated at some of the English sides in the Europa League, for example, who will you know, put, put, put straight in for qualifying and are playing youngsters in these games because they just don't care because they're more interested in finishing third or fourth in their own league. We can't, we can't be like that. You know, that's not how big clubs operate. Surely, I wouldn't have thought so. Anyway, you go into that and you play to get as far as you possibly can in every tournament, and, and, and at some point, Stephen Gerrard has dreamed of taking us to that final, and he ain't going to give up on that as unrealistic as it might be.
1: Um, I've I've always said that for the simple reason, and I've heard Rangers fans over the years when we have been doing well saying, "Ah, oh, it's the League Cup, play the kids, no don't," um, because if you can guarantee me six defeats in the Europa League and you win 55, great. But you can't. <laughs> Nobody can. So, sometimes people talk about this as if it is a choice, as if it is a trade-off. You say, oh, what would you rather win, you know, get get through the group stage or, or win the league? And my argument is always, that's that's irrelevant. It doesn't matter. One... Um, doesn't affect the other unfortunately um, because you can't guarantee me that us performing poorly with you know a team of youngsters in the Europa League is going to lead to us in any way doing better domestically yes it's a lot of games I get that but surely we want our players to be playing lots of games because it means they're involved in lots of tournaments so no I'm I'm the same and I want us to go there and I think we're capable I, I think we'll get a draw out there um, and that as I say, Leaves is in a pretty good position for the rest of the group stage. Now, just before we finish up, uh, every week on Heart and Hand, we like to look round the world of Scottish football and uh, see who has done something or said something uh, so stupid that it could have come from the mouth of former Wales international striker John Hartson. Yes, it's this week's Total Hartson. Who has made a Total Hartson of it this week? And we'll start off with you, Mr Staff.
2: Okay, um so not Scottish football sadly, but someone who we all love, I'm sure, or every football fan loved, because you know, he was he was a joy to watch, and that's Ronaldinho of uh, Brazil Fame. Wonderful player who recently had his passport seized, and I say recently it was maybe in the last day or two, um, by Brazilian government for having a debt of two point two million euros for building a fishing platform in a river that was like, it was like protected land. So this was against the law. However, this isn't the only thing that's going on with Ronaldinho at the moment. And this is why he's went from a daft mistake to total hearts. Barcelona just recently announced that Ronaldinho and Rivaldo will have their duties at the club scaled back. They're like club ambassadors. That's going to be scaled back because they have backed the president-elect for Brazil, the man who's going to be voted, who's been voted in to be their next president, a man called Ger Bolsonaro. If you've never heard of Ger Bolsonaro, ladies and gentlemen, please Google him because here are a few of Ger Bolsonaro's more famous statements. And I apologize in advance for any and all insults slash offence taken. Yeah? Um, if this needs to be edited out, I understand. No, no, because this is, this is
1: well, legitimate. <laughs> this guy, rather terrifyingly, yeah, is now a yes, world leader. Yeah, yeah.
2: Bolsonaro, the next uh, president of Brazil Who Ronaldinho has, you know, very publicly but Has said in the past I would be incapable of loving a homosexual son I'm not going to be a hypocrite I'd rather my son died in an accident Than showed up with some bloke with a moustache Number one Number one
1: Yeah yeah.
2: That's that's not not great No, it's not a great start, is it? What what worries me
1: is that was number one When you were easing his in
2: There are a number and I'm trying to to, to pick, you know, the the, the more palatable ones, that's one of the more palatable ones, would you say, Uh, would you believe? Um, This is a man who has come out and said he's in favour of torture, in terms of, even in terms of, like, criminals, etc. This one here, (laughs) he was asked, uh, way back in 2003, he made a comment to a a female politician in Brazil, and 11 years later, he was asked to clarify what he'd said, and he'd done a very, very South American way of apologising, which was, I said I wouldn't rape you because you don't deserve it. Jesus fuck. So, you know, not that, you know, oh, I'm sorry for that, or it was a heat of the moment statement. No, no, I will clarify exactly what I said. You're too ugly to be raped. Um, is essentially what he was meaning by that. Uh, he's in favour of dictatorships. We Brazilians don't like homosexuals was one of these lines as well. Um, the scum of the earth has shown up in Brazil as if we don't have enough problems of our own to sort out that's uh, his immigration policy. Um, and yes, uh, Barcelona, knowing what he was like, um, which is essentially, you know, Trump without any sort of censorship, um, have uh, scaled back Ronaldinho's duties at a time when he owes The government, 2.2 million euros. Funnily enough, after backing this guy, the Brazilian government going very quickly grab his passport to not allow him to go to a public event in Kenya. That's what you get for backing the far-right guy, I would say. Um, That's kind of what happens, regardless of what pals you've made. You back a guy with those sort of attitudes. You never get any favours out of it, do you?
1: No. It's funny, though, that a country that's famous for Carnival uh, and they've got a problem with homosexuality, um, yeah, you know. This guy
2: does, anyway. Yeah.
1: I, I I believe it's actually illegal for any Brazilian to receive a cap for the Celso, unless he's had sex with a transvestite. So, <laughs> I don't quite get the the homophobia. But yeah, as Alex says, if you read some of the comments, of this guy He's genuinely a very unpleasant man. Um, he's actually been a fringe figure in Brazilian politics for years. It's just an absolute right wing nut case. But because the country, it does have a lot of serious problems, particularly with uh, drug gangs and crime. Uh, people are doing what they tend to do in these circumstances, which is we must do something. He's something, therefore we must do that. Um, and it's it's a case of saying to them, yeah, it is different, but it's different worse, not different better. Um, and it will probably end in in something very unpleasant. But uh, yeah, Ronaldinho. Uh, by the way, who built that fishing? it was the same people that built Spurs Stadium. Two point two million for a fucking platform.
2: I know Is it's like two million gold? euros for a fishing platform. Yeah, they need to I'd also expect it to do all the fishing for me. Yeah, you damn know, right. and cook just it, and could get an automated
1: fishing line and such yeah. like. Um, two point two million. That's like, a hell of a lot of money. Yeah, uh, the big windows at that builders. Um, you can tell though that when they asked the builder in Brazilian or well, Portuguese, went, "Ooh, it's going to cost you, mate. Um, guaranteed." <laughs> um, it was the international language of, of builders, Colin. Yes, so I also looked out with
3: Scotland because I thought Neil Lennon had Scotland pretty much sewn up this week. Yeah, yeah. So for me, I am, I have looked at Bayern Munich's Brazilian right-back Rafinha. Um, reason is, though, I know everyone at Heart and Hands has strong feelings about Halloween. And if you listen to the new Davidson Scott show on Patreon, you'll know exactly what I mean by that. However, Bayern Munich do seem to like Halloween. So much so that the whole team got dressed up and went out for a party this week. Um, Bayern Munich have got a big Twitter following as well. They've got four and a half million followers on Twitter. Oof. To give that a bit of context, Rangers have got four hundred and fifty nine thousand. Um, David has got twenty five thousand, and I've got one thousand three hundred. So what I'm saying is, I like the way you added. added your, I
1: like the way you added your change to it, but you didn't add mine. Thanks. Yeah. Oh,
3: sorry. If you have to
1: twenty five thousand okay. and like twenty and something like uh, that.
3: <laughs> you're, you're doing okay. And mines are um, mines eight
1: hundred bots that you bought last week.
3: <laughs> so, what I'm saying is basically, a hell of a lot of people see Bayern Munich's tweets. So, Byron put up some pictures of the squad dressed up, and you've got players dressed up as skeletons. There's a werewolf, there's a few zombies, there's even Jigsaw from the Saw movies, and even Walter White from Breaking Bad is there as well. But right at the front of the picture is Rafinha, and Rafinha is dressed in what I can only decide best as an Arab. He is wearing the robes, or the kandora, which I believe is the real name, and the kufaya on his head. Though I'll be honest, it does look like he's just used a tea towel rather than buy the yoke.
1: It did, yeah.
3: He is wearing sunglasses and a comedy Borat-style moustache. Now, this isn't cool. You can't do that. Um, But it goes on. He's also carrying a box designed to look like a bomb with the word attention on it.
1: Fuck me. Uh,
3: This then gets worldwide press attention. So Rafinha takes to Instagram to apologise. And he writes on Instagram. Hello, everyone. Halloween is a scary celebration. With exaggerated costumes. It was not my intention to anger anyone through my disguise or hurt anyone's feelings. He then closed the apology in the worst way or the worst excuse possible by saying, I have lots of Arab friends. <laughs> of course. Of them.
1: Yes, of course <laughs> he does.
3: You would think that would be it, but it's not. aimed that knows Instagram will know that you can't just post a message on Instagram. You have to also have a picture on your post. Yeah. What picture do you think he used?
1: The one of him Hamm- at the thing."
3: Another picture of him in his costume. <laughs> <laughs> he then deleted that a few hours later and replaced it for another apology, this time with a picture of him playing
1: for a buyer. Oh my goodness. Um I I would like to mention a podder who should remain nameless, who um, Scott, who was complaining about uh this, this thing about a woman who was complaining about being chatted up on a train. Did you see that recently? Yes. And uh it's launched a whole debate about whether or not men should be able to just approach random women. Um, and, of course, men being men, we tend to go, well, of course, we don't mean any harm. And women are like, yeah, we don't know that. And it can be the one out of a thousand who does mean us harm. So we'd just rather nobody did it. Um, but us being, you know, the type of people that we are, we tend to go, oh, you stupid boot, you know, just, just but why not? And, and Scott, of course, used the phrase, oh, does that mean that... Uh, we're not allowed to talk to women anymore. And uh, I'd like to give credit to the Twitter person who said, if you're the type of man who says, oh, I suppose that means I'm not allowed to talk to women anymore, then yes, you're right. You're not allowed to talk to women ever. So uh, I, would, I would nominate our, our friend Scott, but I'm not going to. Nick Rowan of the BBC would be a candidate. I don't know if you saw this, lad. Last week at the memorial to the Leicester chairman and the people who died in the helicopter crash, uh, he was caught on camera by a rival news organisation speculating that the female traveller on board was in fact um, the Leicester chairman's mistress and it turned out she was the co-pilot um, and he immediately took to social media to say no offence was intended. Um, Look, we've all said the odd kind of, you know, black humour speculation at times, but... Maybe not standing at the memorial when hundreds of people are laying flowers and there are tears going. You know, it's maybe just pick your occasion a little bit better. For instance, yeah. you don't turn up at the funeral and say, what a cunt he was. You know, he owed me a fiver. It's, it's, you know, you may be accurate. He may well have been a cunt and he did owe you a fiver. But pick your moments a little better. Uh, I'm going to go with Ronaldinho. So much of that, you know, back in a right-wing lunatic, um, losing his gig with Barca, but £2.2 million on a fucking fishing platform. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that's, that's just outrageous. So congratulations, Ronaldinho, mate. You've made a total heartsome of it. Right, folks, that'll do us for this week. Um, we are actually back on uh, Thursday after that. Uh, in fact, we're not back on Thursday because, uh, as you may know, we do Heart and Hand Extra, our second show of the week. But on when we're playing on Thursdays, because of logistics, it's impossible to get it out in time. So we'll be back on Monday where we'll cover both matches. Um, however, if you want to come see us live, we'll be playing the Loudoun Tavern on Friday, you'll get the details for that on my social media feed, there are in the single figures of tickets left, but if you would like to come along and see us, uh, it's the usual panel, plus Craig Moore, and yes, we will ask him about the Olympics, don't worry about it, and take the piss, so uh, if you want to come along to that, please do, the Loudon Tavern uh, Ibrox won Friday night uh, this week, which is, I believe, the 9th, and if you want to come see us, please do, if you want to hear more from us, go to Patreon, Uh, Alex mentioned, Or I think Colin mentioned there The new show If you miss the Halcyon days of Gabe Adonage Then me and Scott have our own show over there The imaginatively titled David and Scott Show Which drops for our 3.99 subscribers every week And contains very little in the way of football And remember we're not encumbered anymore By having to talk about football uh, Or even pretend to Like we had to do for years on here Um, So if you want to do that, just come along. It's patreon.com forward slash heart and hand. And with Christmas coming up, why not buy someone the gift that they'll look at and go, huh? Ah, uh, hi. Uh, and that is a piece of Heart and Hand crap. You can get it from our website, heartandhand.co.uk. We've got mugs, keyrings, T-shirts, hoodies. You name it, we have some substandard Chinese shite with a logo on it. And it's available to you in time for Christmas. Honestly, I'm cutting my own throat here. Thank you very much to our producers in London, Mr. Knightley and Paul Myers. To my wonderful guests, first of all, the lovely Mr. Alexander Staff. Pleasure to you, The tremendous Mr. Colin McMillan. Thank you. I thoroughly enjoyed that, guys. We'll be back next Monday. Until then, take care. Cheers. Bye.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network.